0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Crown Hoops Podcast. We are into episode number 27 now. My name is Jordan Daly. With me this week, I have Mike White and Ben Okazawa. Say what's up, guys?
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: Hey, glad to be back, as always. Stacy's not here this week. I think he wasn't feeling well, kind of like Mike last week. So, Mike, glad to have you back. Glad you're feeling better. Thanks. Uh, You missed a fun episode last week. There was a moment uh, on the last episode. I forget what it was. uh, I wish that you were there for that. I think it was we were talking about um, who is the greatest scorer since Jordan. Oh, my God. I think we were talking about that. And I was saying, oh, I really wish Mike was here for that. But I kind of want to get your take on that real quick. Greatest scorer since Michael Jordan. I think uh, the hot take that it was from was uh, someone said that James Harden was the greatest scorer since Michael Jordan. So, yeah, I want to get your thought on that real quick.
1: Uh, I saw that on social media as well, and I scrolled right past it because the (laughs) disrespect that I read. First off, the greatest scorer since Michael Jordan is Kobe Bean Bryant. Number eight, number 24, however you want to take it, we already know what the answer is. I'm mad I missed that last week. Y'all know what my answer is. It's Kobe Bryant. It's not even a question. I mean, the way James Harden score, of course, it's electric. He has a lot of points. I even saw he has, like, uh, the most points this decade, like one point over LeBron. But when it comes to just being a natural, gifted scorer all around, post, mid-range, fade away, turn behind the back, spin, that's Kobe. Kobe, easy. Don't you ever question that again?
0: All right. All right. <laughs> I think um, I think the Ben and Stacey said uh, KD. KD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man. That's I didn't give argument. a definitive an answer. Argument. I just said that saying James Harden isn't necessarily a hot take.
1: I would say I, said I this. need to
0: do more research.
1: Yeah, I would do this. I would go Kobe or KD before I go James Harden. Okay, I can respect that.
0: Um, but let's get into the new topics this week. We're gonna start it off. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is an amazing app that lets you buy tickets in literally the easiest way possible. If you ever need to buy tickets, go on SeatGeek, set up a new account. You can use our promo code JordanDaily, J-O-R-D-A-N-D-A-L-Y. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. So use that code, go see an NBA game, go see the Celtics, beat your favorite team. It'll be great. Um, but starting off the episode, we're going to talk about some early trade rumors. Uh, trade deadline, um, not trade deadline, but... Kind of a trade deadline, I guess you could say, because so many players were moved around this offseason that no one can really be traded until, I think, mid or late December. Yeah. Um, so that time's coming up, so all the trade rumors are starting to circulate. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about that with you guys, starting it off with Kevin Love. He's been one of the names that's been tossed around a lot lately. Um, recent reports say that he prefers to go to Portland, which is his hometown, and he wants to play for a contender. Um, so let's go around the room a little bit and talk about that, where you see... Kevin Love ending up, do you think he has a chance of actually getting traded because of his massive contract? And if he is traded, what are you going to get in return? Uh, Where do you guys value him at? So we'll start with you, Mike.
1: Um, The Kevin Love situation is kind of tricky. If I I saw him being traded, it'd be to Portland. Um, I think that'd be a nice pickup for them, add another score to that team that already has Dame and CJ. And you've added Melo, who looks to be a decent NBA player now. So I think Kevin Love to Portland would be a good deal for them. Only thing is though, I've been seeing some rumors that the trade situation is kind of tricky because Cleveland wants a first round pick for Kevin Love, but teams are also requesting a first round pick to take on Kevin Love's contract. Exactly. So what yeah, so what that tells me is he's valued high, but not as not as high as he used to be, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, they know he's kind of injury prone. He's been injured a couple times throughout Cleveland. Um, he's getting older. He missed some finals time with LeBron. So, I mean, I think Kevin Love is a great, solid piece. I think Portland will be a good place for him, especially since they're struggling right now and they're not in the playoff picture. But um, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how the trade situation work out because who's going to want to give up a first-round pick for an injury prone type of guy?
0: And to make the money work, obviously they'd have to throw in a player. Who do you see that they could possibly kind of make a trade package with the Cavs for?
1: Um. Well, let me think. Portland, don't they have? They have some extra big guy. I doubt they would want to get rid of Collins, and he's injured anyways. Maybe a Nazir Little, a young guy, maybe an upcoming guy that Cleveland could take. Obviously, they have Darius Garland and. um Colin Sexton. So Nazir Little in in a combination with someone else on the roster who could take up some dead space, I'm not quite sure. But I think if they centered it around some of those young players, I think Cleveland would bite on it.
0: Okay, Ben, what are your thoughts on uh, Kevin Love? Where do you think he should go? Do you think he has a chance to actually end up in Portland? And how do you think teams will be able to make that trade work with his contract?
2: Um, I would like to see Kevin Love end up in Portland. I'm not sure if it will happen, just because like you guys both said, uh, it's going to be tough just with his massive, massive contract. But don't get it twisted, though. Kevin Love is still a good, good player in this league. And I think the way that the Lakers leveled up by adding Anthony Davis, the way that the Clippers added up by adding Kawhi and PG, it's just like it seemed like the, the Trailblazers held steady and they were a contender last year. They are in the Western Conference Finals. But everyone else around them improved exponentially. And they just stayed right where they were. Which is why right now they're not looking too good. Despite adding Melo. Despite having now Hassan Whiteside on the roster. Who's playing pretty well in that, in that big spot for them. Uh, but if they add Kevin Love. I think that could be the piece that kind of puts them back in that conversation. Uh, as a contender in the West. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, how it works out, but I think if it were to happen, it would uh, it would be a pick for sure, sent by Portland to Cleveland, and Hassan Whiteside and maybe one of the young guys. But we'll see who they're willing to get rid of in that young core. Um, my first thought was Nasir Little too, but he's also like he's in his rookie year, um, and teams trying to kind of try to you know see if they can squeeze some, the most potential out of their young guys. Mm -hmm. at least give them a year or two before they trade them away. Um, But they just might have to if it means getting a chance at Kevin Love and getting back into into that conversation for the Western Conference.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. What's Portland's ceiling right now without Kevin Love, their team as it is, and then what is their ceiling with Kevin Love on the roster?
2: Right now, they're looking at a low seed in the playoffs. That's my belief. And then getting knocked out in the first round because they would be playing a Lakers or a Clippers or, you know, a Mavs or someone, one of those higher, higher seeds in the West um, that they just wouldn't be able to get past. But if they add Kevin Love and they they finish out the regular season strong, I could see them push to maybe that like five, four or five area and then be playing someone who they would be maybe a bit more competitive with. Uh, like Like the Mavericks, I think they could take the Mavericks in a seven-game series with Kevin Love on the roster. Um, Especially if, like right now, Luka's pretty much doing it all for that team. So if that that continues to be the case, I think uh, Portland with Kevin Love could take them. Or, you know, any of the sort of mid-tier playoff competitors in the West, I think Portland would have a chance with Kevin Love.
0: Yeah, Kevin Love is just kind of tough to move. I know a lot of people on Twitter, I follow a lot of Celtics people, obviously. um, People are trying to work out how they could work trades with Kevin Love coming to Boston, and it realistically just doesn't make sense. We'd have to give up someone like Hayward or Smart and Picks and Young Players, which isn't worth it at that point, um, in the mind of a Celtics fan at least. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to move him. Uh, I feel like he'll be... They're not going to rush into a trade with him, if anything, I low kind of feel like it's going to be like a trade deadline day. Last-second result, they're going to kind of see how they're doing, and, you know, if they feel going towards the end of that season, they need that last pick-me-up, they'll they'll do a last-ditch effort to try to get Kevin Love. But if they don't see themselves as title contenders that far into the season, maybe they'll just kind of let it ride out, keep their young talent, and kind of hope for better stuff next year. Um, but... Next up on the trade block, or not trade block, trade rumors, I guess you could say. Uh, Mike, you were mentioning earlier before we started recording that you heard some things about uh, Chris Paul and some other Thunder players um, on the trade block, possibly rumored to be moved around. Uh, so we'll start with you, kind of hear your side and what you've been seeing about that.
1: Um, so I saw a lot of rumors that Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, and Danilo Gallinari have been on the trade block, are on the trade block, or available at least for talks. Um, I kind of knew the Steven Adams one was coming. He got paid during that year where I think a lot of guys got paid. So he's got a kind of a big contract. And as we can see in OKC, they've totally started to make over the roster since losing Westbrook. So I could see him going to a multitude of teams. I mean, everybody, a lot of teams, especially a lot of playoff teams that know they have to probably play the, the Lakers. They're going to want to load up on big men. So I can see Steven Adams being a high commodity for a team that maybe lacks a center. I don't think, you know, a team like the Boston Celtics would make that move, but I mean, they could use a guy like that in there. I mean, maybe they want to shore up that back line. We don't know. You know, you have Ennis Cancer, and you have Daniel Tice, but I mean, those are just some of the things I think about when I think about Steven Adams. Um, Chris Paul. Now, that's the interesting one. I've heard things about. I was talking about earlier this summer that maybe he could end up with the Heat. I mean, I think that's a good spot for him. I mean, they're really on the youth movement right now with the exception of Jimmy Butler with guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Harrell, Duncan Robinson, but they could use a solid vet. They've been trying to get off Dragic's contract. They were trying earlier. Um, He's hurt again, which has been a problem for them in the past. So maybe that's somewhere where Chris Paul can fit in. I've also heard a little slight rumor about the Mavericks could be looking at Chris Paul I don't know how I feel about that because Luca should be the primary ball handler, but hey, I mean, you never know when it works out. Now, Gallinari, I heard the Blazers were slightly interested, but I think since Melo's been playing kind of well, I don't think that's going to be a likely option for them anymore. I don't think he really helps them that much, but I mean, then again, they're trying to get Kevin Love, so toss up. But um, yeah, those are what I'm hearing about those three guys. Um I don't know. OKC right now is in the Western Conference playoff picture. I mean, why not, you know, see what happens down the road? I mean, granted, it's still early and they are under 500. But I mean, right now, I think they're sitting at about the eighth seed or seventh and they're in the midst of things. I think they should ride it out. And
0: uh, on the Steven Adams thing, I have seen a trade rumor about him um, going to the Mavs. I saw a couple Mm -hmm. trade calculator things, um, which I think would be a good fit. Steven Adams with uh, Porzingis kind of solidifying they're big men and allowing Luca to kind of roll with that mm-hmm. ballpoint roll. Um, but Ben, what are your thoughts on possibly C B three and some Thunder players on the move? Uh it
2: makes sense to me. Uh at this point, those are your kind of your your vets and at the same time your best players. Like Danilo Gallinari's having a really good season. He was a fringe all star last year. Uh <clears throat> Steven Adams at the same time, just like a solid big, but, and CP3 too, he's a good veteran point guard, but the, those guys just don't fit what you need right now as far as you know the big picture of the organization. Um, they're all good players, but at the end of the day, like, like Mike said, they're in the playoff picture, but they're going nowhere in the playoffs. <laughs> so, so would it be kind of more beneficial for them to just move these guys now? get some young guys and sort of build around their current young core of like diallo ferguson you know shea Gildas alexander uh who has been having you know the most improved player of the year worthy season uh, at least to this point is at least in the conversation so i think it makes a lot of sense for them to move these three guys who don't really fit the direction that their organization is moving in right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, especially with CP3, I mean, SGA has been having a killer year. I've been after you all season trying to get him on my fantasy team. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love what he's doing. I think, you know, the Thunder, ever since they became a team, what, back in like 08, was it?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Somewhere around there. Um, They've always had a good roster. It started off with like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka. Um, Obviously, a couple of those guys left, but they always had Westbrook, and then they got Steven Adams. They always had a decent roster there. Um, making the playoffs now, not so much anymore. I think now it's time for them to rebuild. Get rid of those older guys, like you said, Ben, um, and kind of roll with the the young talent you have and uh, look for the future. Maybe you get some draft picks out of that. Maybe you get some other uh, raw talent players out of those the players that you're trying to get rid of. Um, you know, they're not they're not contending for a title this year, any anywhere near the future with the roster they have now. So I would agree, it's time to rebuild. Um, Moving on from that, though, another player that's been rumored to go on the move, we've been hearing about him all season. Uh, Andre Iguodala left the Warriors, now on Memphis. Kind of stranded there. He didn't really want to be there in the first place. He wants to be on a contending team. Um, The Memphis Grizzlies just didn't really want to trade him. Now they're saying they want a first-round pick for him. Uh, What are the odds we see Iguodala move before the trade deadline? And do you think he is worth a first-round pick? we will start with you this time, Ben. I mean, Iggy, he's still, he's getting older for sure, but he's still
2: a key contributor on, you know, the past few Warriors championship contending teams. Uh, So I I think any contending team at this point would be, would be kind of jumping at the chance to have Iggy. He's a good defender still, one of the best defenders in the league when he's healthy uh, and just active on ball. Um, And he's a good spot up shooter too. So he's a good guy to have if you're a contender as like a maybe fourth, fifth option or coming off the bench even. Um, so I think a number of teams who are contending for a championship right now might try to make a play uh, at Iggy. Uh, so we'll you know we'll see what happens with that, um, and I'm sure the Grizzlies they've been weird about moving him because he hasn't been playing, uh, but they've they. Are more open to a trade than they are to a bio so I would not be at all surprised to see him move to a team like the Lakers um, or even like the Sixers, who he used to play for. Any sort of contending team who needs that three and D guy to step up for them.
0: What contending team do you think he could make the biggest impact on?
2: Biggest impact, not the Lakers, because they do they do mm-hmm. have a good they do have a good amount of wings at this point. Um, I, I think it would be cool to see him go to the Sixers. I mean, obviously, they're very, they a very, very talented team. They've got Josh Richardson there at the wing, Ben Simmons, very tall point guard, uh, Tobias Harris on the wing. But I think he would be a good, good contributor coming off the bench, and I think it would be cool to see him back in Philly.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I could see, I could see him fitting in there. Uh, Mike, what about you? What are your thoughts on Iguodala being on the move, and do you think he's worth that first-round pick, and where do you see him going?
1: Um... I think he's worth a first-round pick if he puts you over the edge as far as contending for a championship, so... That means the Lakers or the Clippers or even the Bucks, you know, adding adding an extra perimeter defender who can knock down a three and, sh- and has showed in the playoffs that he's reliable. Like even this most recent finals, as much crap as I give Iggy, like in the last game when the Warriors got eliminated, I think he still had like 20 points and was hitting threes left and right. And he always tends to hit them when I think he isn't going to. So... Iggy on one of those top teams, I know the Lakers are strong suitors for him. They want another wing defender, so when they have to deal with the likes of Paul George and Kawhi, he'll come in and be great. I think that'll be good. But um, I like Iggy on the Blazers. I I think the Blazers, they're not really known for defense. I mean, they have Hassan Whiteside back there protecting the rim, but he's, he's good, not great. Melo's not much of a defensive player. Dame and CJ, we know they can't really guard a whole bunch of people in the league. I think adding a veteran like him to a team like that, someone who can guard some of those high profile players in the playoffs, if they start to turn things around, I mean, the Blazers have a have a pretty deep roster, in my opinion. I think they're only, their record is only because of the injuries right now. So I think he would make that team um, more of the upper tier of the West. Not better than the Lakers or the Clippers, but definitely Either third or fourth could probably compete with the Rockets.
0: Okay, Um, this kind of leads us perfectly into that next topic we wanted to talk about. Uh, What kind of team? What are the teams that are one trade away, one player away from becoming an instant contender? Um, You know, there are a couple teams that you know are fighting for the top four or five seeds right now. Um, Does one trade make them way better than they were? Give them way better odds. So I kind of want to see your thoughts on. What teams are just like that one move away, one player away from becoming instant real contenders? And we'll start with you this time, Ben.
2: Well, I think teams like the Lakers and Clippers, they're already there. Uh, We've talked about the Blazers and it could be, you know, like a Kevin Love or like Mike said, even an Iggy that kind of puts them back in that conversation. Uh, I think the Bucks. And the Celtics are kind of already there. They don't really need anyone else. But the Sixers might need someone else. Just the way they've been playing, it hasn't been... They have the talent, but they don't... It doesn't fit for some reason. They're not playing, like, the best team in the East, which they're the most talented team in the East. But they're not playing, like, they're locked to go to the, to go to the finals. Um, the Bucks are doing that right now. I think my Raptors could make a trade. I've seen, I've seen some rumors move either Serge Ibaka... or or Marcus Saul, along with maybe a pick or a young guy for Tristan Thompson, who's been having a good season for the Cavs so far. Um, He's actually from more or less my hometown, uh, Brampton, Ontario. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think a few teams, the Blazers for sure, even the Mavs maybe, if they want to get another big guy to pair with Porzingis because they don't really have anyone uh, right now who's kind of stand out at the center position that they can drop down low, other than Bogey, but he doesn't really play like that. Um, so yeah, Blazers, Mavs, Raptors, Sixers, two teams from either conference that I think could greatly improve with one trade.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. My two teams specifically were the uh, Mavericks and the Celtics. I think both of those teams could use some height. Uh, Tyson on the Celtics, he's impressed me this year. He's done a lot better than I thought, but I still think they need more height. Um, Ennis Cantor is not doing it. Um, a lot of the Celtics fans that you'll ever talk to absolutely hate Cantor. He's just really not good. He's a huge defensive liability. Um, offensively, yeah, he can get a few buckets, but on defense, it's just a huge letdown. Um, kind of upset that I'm not seeing Robert Williams get more minutes, but um, I-, I think the Celtics are one big man away. Uh, same with the Mavericks. I think they're one big man away, which is what you were saying, Ben. Cool. Um, A realistic trade that I could see happening, kind of linking back to what we were talking about earlier with Chris Paul and the Thunder. Um, Steven Adams going to Dallas. I know we talked about that a little bit. I think that would be a huge help to them, um, allowing Luka to take more of that point guard role. Um, But Mike, what are your teams that are kind of one trade away and who do you see um, that could be part of those trades to help those teams push forward?
1: Um, so you guys already said one of the teams, the Mavericks, obviously we know they have Luka and Porzingis so far, but I think they're, like you said, either a big man away or another, another elite scorer away from really contending with those top teams. Um, my other two teams are in the East. Um, I agree with you, Ben the Raptors, because I mean, like we said, they just lost Kawhi. We've seen what this team can already do. They're just missing one more, maybe bigger piece, or maybe a a better big man. Mark Gasol's production has kind of dropped off this year. So I think the Raptors are one piece away from really being a contender, even though some would argue they're a contender now. And then it might be weird to say this because they're the number two seed right now, but the Miami Heat, I think they're one piece away from really competing with the Bucks. I mean, you have Jimmy Butler, so you have an all-star there, and you've got tons of role players, like tons of – and Winslow's hurt right now, and he was playing good before he got hurt. So just think about that combined with all the rookies they have, Nunn, Harrow, Robinson, and then you've got vets like Kelly Olenek and Bam Abadeo. Excuse me if I said that wrong. So they, they already have a lot of pieces right there, a lot of vets, a lot of young guys. I think if you give Jimmy Butler another elite scorer or maybe a point guard to run the show, I think they're one step away from maybe competing to get into the finals. Because like you said earlier, Ben, the Sixers are good. They're 19-7, third seed, but they've been kind of underwhelming. And I'm kind of starting to fall off my pick of them making it to the finals. Me too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, one thing you brought up that I kind of want to gauge the room on real quick, we talked about it briefly in our group chat last night. Um, you mentioned the Raptors are one trade away. One player on the Raptors that's surprised me a ton this year, and we talked about it a little bit last night, um, Fred VanVleet. Absolutely playing great this year. He's having a great season, and, and I really did not expect that personally. Um, so if you're the Raptors and you have some trades offered to you lined up, uh, is Van Vliet on the table, or would you consider him off-limits? Uh, we'll start with you, Ben, since you're the Raptors fan.
2: I would consider him off-limits. I think he's very—he's a Kyle Lowry archetype player. Um, they're both short. Van, Van Vliet might be listed at 6, but I think he's just below 6 feet tall. Um, but they're both bulldogs. They get right up in your grill on the defensive end of the floor. Um, they'll take, They'll take you to the bucket on the offensive end and make some really tough layups, but they can both shoot, too. They're both... You know, knockdown shooters. Kyle is getting older, so it kind of looks like at this point, Fred Van VanVleet might be our next, might be our starting point guard of the future, um, and he's shown us that he can, that he has what it takes, that he can, you know, put up those numbers and and lead our team the way we need him to. So I think he would play Kyle Lowry's role. Siakam would play Siakam's role, and then we just need one person to play Kawhi's role. So I would put, you know, any number of our of our young guys, however much it would hurt to lose, you know, guys like Chris Boucher or Terrence Davis, who's been having, he's in the Rookie of the Year conversation. He's very low in the Rookie of the Year conversation. <laughs> he's hes in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Um, if you look at the, like, official Kia Rookie of the Year race or whatever, uh, he's down there. However much it would hurt to kind of lose that young core that we've got going on that really stepped up big uh, when Lowry and Ibaka were out. I think it would it would hurt to lose any of those guys, but I think at this point, Siakam and uh, and Van Vliet are my only untouchables on the Raptors.
0: So you'd have Kyle Lowry on the chopping block.
2: I mean, yeah, he's 34 at this point. I love Kyle Lowry. Uh, I love his heart. I love just everything about him. But you know, at this point, it looks like we're moving in different directions, and I'd love to have him long term. But if it means getting, you know, a good player who would kind of put us back into that championship conversation, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger on, on Lowry or Ibaka, or Gasol, any of those guys.
0: OK. Mike,
1: what about you? Do you see Van Fleet as untouchable? Um, yeah, I agree with everything Ben just said. Van Fleet and um, Siakam, untouchable. Everybody else, we can talk. We could talk trades, Ibaka, Gasol, everybody else. But Van Fleet, I mean, the dude's nice. We saw in the finals, a lot of people were lobbying that he could have won finals MVP for the way he played. I remember I kept saying it after the birth of his son. He'd been hot. He was hot for the rest of the playoffs. And he stayed hot all the way to the end. He made a case for finals MVP. So Van V plays defense. He gets everybody involved. He assists the ball. He defends the ball. He shoots the ball at a high rate. Uh, I think he's a keeper, especially with Lowry getting up there in age, injury starting to pile up a little bit. I think Lowry's a, a good trade piece, actually. He's got a lot of money on that contract. And you might be able to you might be able to bring in the Hall or bring in a young talented player who talented player who can maybe take you over the edge or maybe look for a vet. So yeah, Van Vliet and Siakam, untouchable. Everybody else, we can talk about it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with exactly everything you guys said. One thing that I think would be interesting is if they could find a way to package together Abaka and Lowry. Um, I didn't want to say that until I knew Ben wasn't emotionally attached to Lowry too much because. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Lowry's been there forever, right? For a long time. Yeah. yeah so. but, I
2: mean, as soon as Demar went, it's like we learned not to. We learned not
0: to grow too one of attached the to our romances of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> anyway, though, moving on from the trade rumors. One thing I wanted to bring up with you guys: uh, contenders or pretenders? The Dallas Mavericks. Right now, they're up there in the Western Conference, having a great year. Um, do they have enough to stay up there? Um, are they legitimate contenders, or are they just pretending to be this good? We're going to start with you, Mike.
1: I, I'm i going to call them contenders. I don't think they're pretenders, but they're contenders without a shot. I think ultimately <laughs> it's going to be one of the LA teams to represent the West, but right up under both LA teams, the Mavericks are there. The Rockets are there. It's a, It's a little jumble right there because... Granted, I have my questions about who else is going to commit to scoring for this team. They only got three guys averaging double figures, and we were just talking about Tim Hardaway earlier, Ben. Sometimes he can be a little inconsistent for me. Porzingis is not quite back to where he used to be, so Doncic is doing a lot of heavy lifting. But I think they're contenders. They got one of the best offenses in the league. I think for for a while they were leading the league in offense. Um, Doncic is like some people say, maybe the best 20-year-old we've ever seen, just the way he's able to impose his will and and manage the game on his level, it's kind of its kind of crazy. So I think as long as they have Luka Doncic, they're contenders. Okay.
0: Ben, what about you? I agree on the
2: contenders without a shot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, I'm just going to label them pretenders because I don't think anybody mm-hmm. is making it past either of the L.A. teams in a seven-game series in the West. Which will be interesting to see because if if the Clippers end up with a three seed in the West, which is entirely possible at this point, they would, it's it's a chance that they can meet the Lakers at any time before the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals, which would be essentially our Western Conference Finals, because the Lakers are making it past whoever they meet in the conference finals if, if they see the Clippers beforehand. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is here the the Mavericks just don't have enough. Porzingis was supposed to be their guy. That was supposed to be their duo. But Porzingis, you know, he's just coming off an injury, and we don't know if that's why, but he hasn't been having, like, a a next Porzingis season. He hasn't been having that, you know, 2016, 2017 Porzingis-type season. Uh, And Luke, Luke has been doing a lot. And it looks sustainable because he's been having a great season. And I don't doubt that he can keep playing at an MVP caliber level. But I'm I just I can't see the Mavs beating the Lakers or the Clippers or even it would be tough to see them beating the Nuggets or the Rockets. Really? Yeah, I think that that series could go seven, could go the distance. And I'm not sure who would win. Okay. But I'm just not entirely convinced on the Mavs.
0: Yeah, I would agree in the fact that I would call them pretenders over contenders, uh, or as Mike liked to call it, contenders Mm -hmm. without a chance. Um, You know, pretty much what you guys said. I mean, Luka's doing great. He's probably the best 20-year-old the NBA has ever seen. Um, Porzingis not having the year he wanted to have. Uh, He's not looking like his old self. Um, He's probably going to be injury-prone if he gets hurt once. He's probably going to be out for a while. Uh, I think that's all going to add and build up on Luka, um, I don't know if Luke is going to be able to keep it up all year as the sole scorer on that team. Um, like we were talking about earlier, if, if they can get that one more trade or that one more piece that they need, either a scorer or a big man, maybe we can talk this out again. Um, but until then, just because of what all you guys said, and yeah, I, I don't see them coming out of the West. I think there's, there's too much talent. I, I would take them over the Nuggets um, and the Rockets, though. Uh, but I don't think they're getting past any of the L.A. teams. Um, but then again, that comes down to seeding. And <clears> once you get into the playoffs, anything is possible. We've seen that before. So, um, yeah, for now, I'm going to call them pretenders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But moving on, uh, we brought it for the first time last week. Stacy ran it, but he is not here this week. We have our Game of the Week segment. So Mike's going to fill in for him. Mike, it's all
1: yours. Hey, Stacy, I got you, dog. Okay, so gentlemen... This week's game of the week, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Milwaukee Bucks on December 19th at 8 p.m. The game is in Milwaukee. Um, this is going to be a big game, fellas. Maybe one of the biggest games of the year so far, just simply because these are the two best teams in each conference right now. Record-wise, they're both 22-3 and right now. Um, it's going to be a hell of a fight. I mean, the Lakers are 12-1 and on the road. The only loss they have on the road so far was at Staples on the opening night. So really, away from Los Angeles, they haven't lost a game, but the Bucs are 12-1 and at home right now, and they're currently on a 16-game win streak. So I'll start with you, Jordan. Do you think the Lakers can go into Milwaukee and steal a game on the road? So you know me. I'm the
0: biggest Laker <laughs> hater just because of LeBron James. But uh, hey, hey, let it out, man. <laughs> I'm going to give the edge here to the Lakers. I am. I'm going to give the edge to the Lakers. I think the Lakers will will come out on top I don't think the Bucks have enough to go up against the depth of the Lakers. Um, I think the Lakers will be able to find a way to contain um, Giannis between LeBron or AD or whoever else they have. Um, I-, I think the depth is going to be the depth of the Bucs in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I, I I would lean the Lakers too. Obviously, I'm a fan, but I would say the Bucks shoot the three very well. If they're th- shooting the three that well that night, they might have a good shot. What about you, Ben?
2: So I'm kind of, I'm just going to come out and say that I've also got the Lakers. The Bucks. listen, they're riding high. They've got a 16-game winning streak going on right now. But if you kind of look at their schedule, I'd say they had an impressive blowout win over the Clippers. But other than that, it's been the Pelicans, the Magic, Hornets, Knicks, Cavs, Hawks. Yeah. They're not really, in the past like month or so, in their winning streak, they haven't been playing top teams, and the Lakers are undoubtedly a top team in the league. Uh, so I think, you know, Giannis is going to be tough to stop, he's super dominant, but how do you stop LeBron and AD? Dwight Howard's been playing well this season in his role, uh, just everyone the Lakers have. They've got Danny Green, they've got, you know, Avery Bradley is a lockdown defender. So I, I'm, it would be tough for me to see the Bucks beating the Lakers regardless of whether they're at home or in L.A. I've got the Lakers.
1: Okay, so I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to play devil's advocate for the Bucks. So you said the Bucs play in the East and they've had some easy schedule, but a lot of the complaints I was seeing against the Lakers was how weak their schedule was. So do you think that plays a factor? I mean, they've both played their hard teams here and there, but they both had a re- have had a relatively easy schedule. So I guess my next question, and I'll start with you, Jordan, is what are the keys of victory for the Bucks to win?
0: Um, for the Bucks, they're going to need to find a way to to be successful without Giannis. I think the Lakers going in, uh, their main method of attack on defense is going to be containing Giannis. Uh, if the the Bucks shooters can get hot, which we, I've seen them do before, um, you know, the Bucks will have a better chance. But it's really going to come down to how the Bucks role players are going to fill in. If, if their shooters can get hot and they're hitting threes, we got a game. But if they're not hitting those threes and their bench players aren't doing too well, game over. What about you, Ben? Um, For the Bucs on the offensive side of the ball, it's exactly
2: what Jordan said. You have to get guys other than Giannis going, which is going to be tough. They do have good shooters on the perimeter. Um, They have Eric Bledsoe running the point. Obviously, they've got Kyle Korver, who's a notorious sharpshooter, and just other guys like that. Chris Middleton around the perimeter. But on the defensive end, you just have to find a way to limit as best you can Anthony Davis. LeBron, LeBron James is going to do what he does regardless but I think Anthony Davis is the key to stopping here because at this point so far in the season it's kind of been largely centered around Anthony Davis the offense so if, if you can kind of lock him down and force other guys in the Lakers like LeBron to be that top guy that's I think your best chance but even then LeBron is having a great season <laughs> so right. It's, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Bucs regardless.
1: Right. So, I think I already asked you guys, but I'll ask you one more time. Jordan, who do you have winning this game? Lakers. Ben.
2: Also the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I got the Lakers winning on the road 113 to 110. Well Man, guys, you got the yeah. score and everything. 113-110. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very close te- a very close game. I think both teams are going to go over 100 points Um. But I think the, the Lakers' defense holds out. They stopped they stop Giannis on that last drive, force it out to a three-point shooter. Danny Green with the great contest. And that's the end of the game. They missed a the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got for game of the week, guys.
0: Uh, before you move on, though, one more Lakers thing I want to bring up. Oh, Lakers okay. have a new little weapon. Rajon Rondo will be on the arc.
1: Rajon Rondo,
0: hey!
1: 53%. 53%. 53, Raj three, Ray. <laughs> hey, look, Rondo's been hitting threes. I've been so happy. Like, that, my only issue with Rondo ever last year was like, hey, he can't hit a shot. But if you're going to shoot 50% from three, I'm with it. What's up, Rondo? What's up?
0: <laughs> I love it. I, yeah, I think I think all the NBA players have started to adjust more to focus on their three-point shot. I mean, you you look at the stats, you go back three, four years. Some guys are terrible beyond the arc, but like yeah. year by year, they've been improving that because that's the way the NBA is going now. You know, obviously, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson kind of started that trend, but now nowadays, if you can't hit a three in the league, you're kind of useless. That's yeah. my thought on it. But uh, moving on from the Game of the Week segment, thank you for filling in for Stacy, Mike. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on something that kind of just came up again, only happened once in the NBA, Um, happened a couple times outside the NBA but J.J. Culver in a college game brother of Jarrett Culver in the NBA uh, just dropped 100 points in a game he played for 38 minutes went 34 of 62 shooting also tallied 9 rebounds 5 steals, 2 blocks and an assist his team ended up winning 124 to 60 kind of just wanted to discuss that with you is that bad sportsmanship um, against the other team um kind of bad looks for his teammates obviously you know 24 points came from his teammates he got 100 out of 124 points you know how how do his teammates think of that um kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on that do you guys think that scoring 100 points in a game especially in that big of a blowout is this just excessive rude and poor sportsmanship or do you give props to jj culver and pat him on the back we'll start with you this time mike
1: Um, I give him props and pat him on the back. If you don't want a player to score 100 points on him, you do something about it. Obviously, the other team didn't want to do anything about it. And let's be honest, J.J. Culver's other teammates could have shot the ball. They had no problem feeding him for all those shots he took. And everybody, I was just looking at the stats for everybody else. Some people had five and four and three assists here. So clearly, they, they wanted him to go out and get it. They kept feeding him the ball. He was the hot hand. The defense didn't want to do anything about it. And you got 100 dropped on your head, top. I, I can't do nothing about that. I, I don't think it's bad sportsmanship. Um, I think if you don't want that to happen to you, you do something about it. And they chose not to. So he had a career night. Congratulations, man.
0: Yeah, and in defense of the whole teammates thing, um, from the videos I saw, I watched the whole highlight tape. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like that was the game plan. Let him yeah. score 100. Um, from what I remember, he's a <laughs> senior. So they wanted him to you know get his moment in the spotlight. Um, you know, when he hit that hundredth point, all the teammates on the bench jumped up, started freaking out and celebrating. So I think that was done on purpose. I don't think he was just saying like, yo, give me the ball, kind of like a Kobe move and just kind of taking off. Um, hey, I out. think that <laughs> was, the-
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I think walking.
0: that was the game plan. Um, but Ben, what are your thoughts on scoring hundred points in a game? Oh
2: man. I mean, yeah, like you guys both said, his teammates weren't Weren't against it, his teammates were all for it, which I love. That's kind of what basketball is all about, supporting your teammates. Um, just kind of self, selflessness there by his teammates, which I loved. Um, and then as for running up the score on the other team, these guys don't play in the NCAA, but at the same time they're playing you know, college basketball. They play in something called the NAIA, never even heard of it before. <laughs> but it's not like they're playing, it's not like they're eight-year-olds playing sort of like house league just for fun basketball these guys are competitive amateur athletes um so you go out there every game and if you run up get the score run up on you get the score run up on you, you can't cry about it uh and it's kind of cool to be a part of history uh so i i think it's yeah no props to jj culver i think it's super cool that he scored 100
0: yeah i definitely agree that i think it's cool that he did it you know that's you know, there's no bad players ever going to score 100 points in a game. That takes skill. Um, mm. And, you know, the way he did it, shooting over 50%, Oof. Yeah. very impressive. Um, yeah, my my biggest question comes to the bad sportsmanship side of it. They doubled the the opponent's score and more. <laughs> that If I'm the other team, I'm taking that personally. I'm taking that personally. I'm surprised this dude didn't get mugged in the locker room or something like that, <laughs> out in the parking lot, like... That's personal. Like, I don't know, pl- playing sports growing up, like, you played that sport like your life depended on it. Like, it was all heart and soul. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely feel for the other team. Um, you know, sometimes the way scheduling works is a great team will play a bad, a terrible team. That could have been the case in this. Um. I, I don't necessarily agree with running the score up that much. But at the same time, how many opportunities do you get in your life to score 100 points? So it's kind of that tough question of right versus wrong I guess. Uh but you guys don't see any problem with uh the running of up of the score. Not really. I mean
2: even even I've done that and and uh when I was playing it's like our version of the AAU in Canada we were beating a team by like 35 or something and the kids on the bench started crying and their coach was like listen you guys are 17 you know your, your grown men playing rep basketball you can't be you, you can't be complaining about losing by this much, and they're still, and they're still running the score up on you. It's like, and it's kind of cool. Like if I feel like if I was on the other team and I was like, this kid's about to score hundred, like
0: I don't blame him. We've already lost. Just let him, <laughs> just let him get his buckets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I, like I said earlier, I did watch the uh, the highlight tapes. He was out hustling every single person on that court, like with a minute left after he had already scored hundred. He was booking it up and down that court. It wasn't just on offense, too. He was making those plays on defense. Like I said, he had five steals, and two blocks. The dude was hustling. He was working his butt off. So props to you on that, JJ Culver. Um, Any other thoughts on that before we move on?
1: No, I'm good.
0: (laughs) Good? All right. So next up, we have our hot take segment run by Ben. Uh, So I'm going to hand that right off to you.
2: All right. First hot take. We'll get right into it. Scotty Pippen famous teammate of Michael Jordan, and just an all-around great player in the league, uh, claims that he would average 40 points per game if he was on today's Rockets. Um, And this was in the wake of of James Harden's 55-point performance not too long ago. He kind of quotes, basically, I'll I'll just give you guys the reasoning, his reasoning, is he thinks if he has the ball in his hands all the time, which James Harden does, kind of, He's, he said he's got teammates open and he's just shooting the ball. He thinks if he played like that, he would average 40. I think it's it's a hot take. It's a hot take. Mike, will start with you. Would Scottie Pippen average anywhere close to 40 if he was on the Houston Rockets right now?
1: Um, his- um, So I look at it like this. Well, you said the key part. If he has the ball in his hand that much, do I think he could average 40? No. Why James Harden, at his best, has averaged what? This year, 38. I I give James Harden a lot of credit. He's a bear, better all-around scorer type of player than Scottie Pippen was. Scottie Pippen is mostly known for defense. Now, I know he can play offense, um, but the most he ever averaged in his best year, I think, was about 22 points. And don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything from him, but James Harden runs this offense probably to its maximum potential, to perfection. Just his ability to draw fouls. I don't think Scottie Pippen will have that ability that James Harden does to draw fouls. Because, I mean, granted, we, we talk a lot of crap about James Harden, but he's the only one getting these calls. So if you think Scottie Pippen's as crafty as James Harden, I, I would argue that against you. So could he average 40? No. But do I think Scottie Pippen, if he had the ball as much as James Harden, and James Harden's not on the team with him? Yeah. I think he can get around 30, 32, especially if the ball's in his hands all the time. I'm going to give Scotty some respect because he did. Um, he was in the MVP run in the two years that Jordan left and went to play baseball with the Bulls, and the Bulls still won about 55 games. So he could definitely do it, carry a team. But 40, nah, Scotty, that ain't that ain't you, bro.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Scotty's definitely great all the time. And I guess, I think he gets overshadowed because he's kind of known as – Jordan and Scotty. Yeah, that's how it's known. Right. But if if you really know the game, you know that Scotty Pippen is is a great great player. And if if he had been on his own on a team, he would have been you know kind of more up there in yeah. terms of all time greats, for sure. Uh, but Jordan, what do you think? Do you think Scotty could average forty if he was on the Rockets today?
0: No teammate of James Harden will ever <laughs> average more than thirty points a game. Um, let's say he's he's he replaces James Harden. I think that was kind of his. Argument. Um. If he replaces him, I, I still don't see Forty. I mean, I feel like his his basis behind the claim is, you know, him assuming that, you know, modern-day NBA defense is a lot more um, lax compared to what it was when he was playing. Obviously, it was much more physical back then. Uh, so maybe that's what he's considering it as. But um, I, I still don't see him dropping Forty. I don't think he has the, the scoring ability that James Harden has. And like we said, James Harden having one of the best seasons of his career right now is only averaging, I think, 38.7 points a game. Um, so to say that Scottie Pippen would come in and drop 40 a game, nah, I don't see it happening. That's definitely a hot take.
2: Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Um, Scottie Pippen, like I said, a great player. Would he average 40 points per game if he was in James Harden's role? No. <laughs> Um, But we'll move on from that, and we'll go to the next one. Also, Harden-based seems to be the theme this week. Uh, Max Kellerman on ESPN's first take said that Harden is not the best scorer in the league. He is, and this is a direct quote, the thirstiest Mm. scorer in the NBA. Hmm. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Do you think that there are better scorers than Harden in the league right now, Jordan, and he's just... He just has the most opportunity. He kind of gets after it the most in terms of free throws and, and having the ball in his hands the most.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good way of putting it, I feel like. I feel like that's really accurate for Harden. I mean, I've never seen someone put up as many shots in a game as James Harden has. Um, wow, that's like a really good way of putting James Harden, I feel like. Very thirsty to score. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've never really thought about that. Um, I definitely agree that he is the most thirstiest scorer, um, but I, I still think he's probably the best scorer in the league right now. Um, if I had to put other people up there with him who are currently playing this season, you know, I'd have probably have Luca up there, um, but I, I'd still have Harden as the best scorer this year. I mean, last week we were just debating if he's the best scorer since MJ, yeah. and now this week we're we're asking if he's even the best in the league right now. <laughs> um, that's tough. So, yeah, that's my two cents on it.
2: Okay, yeah, that's fair. Mike, I'm going to ask you now, do you think that James Harden is not the best scorer in the league? He just has the most opportunity. And if so, do you think there's who do you think is better than Harden at scoring in the league right now?
1: Um, well, since KD is hurt, that's a big factor in this argument. So, considering everyone who is healthy, I think both can be true. I think he's the thirstiest scorer in the league, and I think he's the best scorer in the league, and I think that's why he's so thirsty. I mean, he knows he he wills these refs. He bends the refs at his will. He knows the angles. He knows how to get fouls. He knows how to get you in trouble. He's got a pull-up shot that's pretty much unblockable. I mean, we, we rarely see it get blocked. He has a floater game, and he's an excellent passer. So with all those skills combined into one, he's the best scorer in the league. Literally, defenses set up to try to stop him all night, and they still don't. So that should tell you something. That's kobe Kobe-esque. Kobe-esque. I Kobe esque, but like I said, I, I think James Harden is the best scorer in the league. Um, Luca's up there. I think, I think what uh James Harden has on Luca, I, I like his strength a little bit more. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I, think, I think, I think he's more of a bulldog than people give credit for how he gets to the lane and is able to finish through contact a lot, and just the way he's able to shoot the ball from deep on a consistent basis. I mean, granted, he is shooting 14 threes a game. <laughs> but he's still shooting 34%. It's not horrible, it's not great either, but he hits him at a high enough clip where you have to respect it, so I'm totally going with James Harden. He's the best scorer in the league right now and the thirstiest scorer in the league.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was a really good point that you brought (laughs) up about kind of defenses adapting to Harden. Right. As far as the Raptors, I was watching us play against him and it was ridiculous. Every time he crossed half, we'd have another defender swap to him. It would be two guys on Harden every time he crossed half, and we'd be leaving a man open around the every
1: time. Wide, <laughs> wide
2: open. And you'd kind of have to adapt to help defense, but we didn't do that with Giannis. We don't do that when we got Luka. We didn't do that last year when we were guarding KD. Right. It just kind of shows you that Harden is, is really a scary presence um, as a scorer in the half court. Um, but I'll move on
0: from that. That was our last hot take. Uh, Jordan, I'll pass it back to you. Sounds good. Those are good. I like that one. I like I like debating Harden because I feel like he, it's like... It's a very debatable topic. <laughs> it's always something new with him, and I really like that... Uh, calling him the, the thirstiest scorer, I think you said. I yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, but moving on, our final topic of the night ended on something fun. I want to go around the room and hear who your top three NBA stars are that you'd want to build a franchise around. So they could be young, they could be old, it doesn't matter. Uh, top three NBA stars that if you had a franchise, you'd want to build around these three um, if you had your pick. So we'll do in order. So obviously we'll go 3 two, one So the last person you say will be uh, the top player you want to build your franchise around. That makes sense? Yep. All right, Mike, we're going to start it with you.
1: Starting with me. At number three... And, boy, my tone has changed on this guy. I'm going to go Anthony Davis. Uh, Just actually watching him every night now, seeing his full arsenal, seeing him knock down mid-range jumpers, seeing him knock down three-point jumpers, seeing him be able to dominate inside. And do I really need to talk about defense? He's... He locked up Joe Kick one week, locked up Jamal Murray to help us win that Nuggets game. He's had some, like, defensive game-winning plays this year. He's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's only 24, like, or 25, however old he is. You know, he's in that range. So I like Anthony Davis. I think he's an all-around great player. Um, He could tilt the balance of your team. And as you can see, if you get a great point guard around him, especially a guy like LeBron James, it's almost impossible to stop him. He's seven yeah. foot and can pretty much do everything. He even handles the ball, brings it up court, gets assists. It's not really a lot on the court that he can't do. The only knock against him is injuries, but I think he would be number three on my list, Anthony Davis. Who's your number two? Number two, I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard. I don't care about the load management. Granted, I'm a Laker fan, so I'm going to talk crap about him this year because he's on the Clippers. But I'm going to go back to the mode I was in when he was on the Raptors. Kawhi is just do it all, man. Straight buckets, terminator, killer, scorer, lock down your best player while giving you 30 on the other end. Hits his free throws. He's a great player. I mean, he really tilted the balance of the entire NBA when he went to the Clippers. When one guy can have that effect on the league, when you could just go to a team and immediately they're championship contenders after not being able to make the finals in years, that that's something you want to build around. So Kawhi Leonard second for me. All right, and who's your number one? And number one, I never thought I'd say this. I, I started out as not a fan, but I'm gonna go LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, to be leading the league in assists right now in year seventeen, playing defense. I, we talked about the real plus or minus list that came out. if you see the gap between him and second place as far as real plus or minus it's not even close like the gap between him and second place is like the same gap between second and like 10th place. It's that much of a big difference um makes everybody around him better. I mean you're instantly a contender with LeBron James still at the age of 34 and he's quiet a lot of doubters up he's in the MVP running. He's leading the league in assists. It's LeBron James, man. So, if you're setting your franchise up for mm-hmm. like a few, like multiple years down the road, you're mm-hmm. taking a
0: 34 year old.
1: Well, you said old or new. So, I'm just taking him as he is. I mean, if, if my goal is to win now, then why not? If that's my goal yeah. to win now. Like, let's say I'm Indiana, I'm a small town. F that building for the years. We need to win now. We need rings <laughs> up here. I'd take LeBron. Why not?
0: All right. And fun fact, where are you taking your franchise to? What city do you having your franchise in?
1: Uh, we're going to be in um, right here in Newport News, Virginia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Fair, fair, fair. <coughs> All right, Ben, moving on to you. Top three NBA stars to build your franchise around. Starting at number three, who do you have? All right. At number three, I have
2: Giannis Antetokounmpo. My list is actually going to look surprisingly different than Mike's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine is going to look nothing like Mike's either. So.
1: Good, good. Definitely, <laughs> I,
2: I respect that list, though, but I, we do need variety. I agree. So at number three, I've got Giannis Um As you love to say on this show, the most dominant player in the league. He can get whatever he wants whenever he wants it when he's on the court. Um, and at this point, he's starting to knock down threes. And it's a scary, scary sight for the league. Because at one point, especially last year, you could sag off of him and kind of try to limit him. That's what Kawhi did in the playoffs. But right now, he's actually a threat to hit those deep shots, mm-hmm. which makes him really, really scary. He's seven feet tall, something like that. Super long. He's a great defender as well. He's also young, I think 24, 25, that area. And he's, he seems really committed to his franchise. Which is something that I would I would like as an owner. Um and he's just, you know, reigning MVP came I think second in defensive player of the year voting last year. Um so he's it's a, a very, very scary player in the league, a true unicorn, um, especially when he's when he's able to to start knocking down those threes to more consistent basis, which we've kind of seen so far this year. Definitely. Um at number two, I've got Anthony Davis. Uh, for all the reasons that Mike said, if we want to talk unicorn, I just called the honest that, but Anthony Davis he can knock down those threes he's seven feet tall he he's one of the best defensive players in the league. I think he's first for for me in defensive player of the year rankings right now um in this uh, albeit young season uh he can yeah he can hit down he can hit threes, he can handle the ball at seven feet tall. He can, you know, bully anyone in the paint. He can, he has everything, everything in his arsenal. Um, And he is young. So I would have him for years to come. And then at number one for me, I've got Luka Doncic. I mean, he's he's 20 years old. And this season, he's averaging, we don't have a huge sample size because he's only been in the league for a season and less than a quarter, I think.
0: Mm.
2: But so far this season, 30 points per game almost 10 boards, 9.8 rebounds per game, 9.2 assists per game, and then throw in 1.3 steals per game. He's been having a ridiculous season. He's a really, really exciting player to watch. Uh, he's international, so that would kind of, if I'm an owner and thinking about money, he would kind of draw that crowd. Um, he's got the youth on him. He's 20, he's 20 years old. I keep saying that, but he's 20 years old and he's doing all this. So think about where he could grow from here. It's just it's really impressive to watch. Um, so yeah, I've got Luka Dodge as number one.
0: All right. So me and you, Ben, kind of have a similar list, which I'm I'm mm-hmm. happy about. I thought I was gonna be crazy after hearing Mike's list. I was like, oh no, we went different directions. <laughs> um, but at number <laughs>
1: three.
0: At number three, I have someone that none of you guys mentioned. Uh, coming in at twenty three years old. No other twenty three year old in the league has five years of experience as much as him. Yeah, Devin Booker at number three. I feel like he's kind of forgotten about a lot in discussions. Um, I think people forget about how young he is coming in at 23. Um, he's an offensive threat. I mean, this season he's averaging 25 points, six and a half assists, and four rebounds, shooting the ball at 50%, um, over 50% actually, um, and 41% from beyond the arc. Um, I think people forget about how good he is because he's stuck in Phoenix, which is just a terrible franchise to be stuck in. Um I not uh,
1: anymore.
0: <laughs> for now. Got playoff
1: hunt. Playoff hunt.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll say that for now. We'll see if Aaron Baines can stay as good as he's been. But, yeah. Number three, I have uh, Devin Booker. Number two, uh, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek freak. Dude's dominant. Dude's dominant. He bullies whatever he wants. He gets what he wants. He literally has entire teams adjust their game plans to go around him. That's insanity. He's... He's just as young as well. I think he's 24, I think, now.
1: Yeah, something um, like
0: that. So, you know, I'd have him for the long term, like Ben, you brought up. He's starting to adjust to that three-point shot. Um, he's taking them more and more, uh, building that confidence. Um, and, you know, eventually he will get proficient at that. You know, obviously it's just starting. But uh, once once he starts hitting those down, even like 40%, 35%, 40%, that's terrifying. Because then you're actually going to have to guard him out on the perimeter. Um, coming in at number one, same as you, Ben, I have Luka Doncic, uh, dude's 20 years old and he, Mm -hmm. he's playing like he's been in the league for six, seven years. Um, I truly think that at the end of his career, people are going to be saying he was Luka Doncic. Like everyone's like saying, oh, he's the next LeBron. He's the next MJ. Nah, he's Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. He's making a name for himself. You know, um, I, I, truly think by the end of his career, he'll be in the debate for the GOAT conversation um, what he's done so far is nothing short of remarkable. Um, you know, he's putting international basketball on the map. We've already seen more and more prospects go international because of him. We saw RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball. Uh, he was a trailblazer. And I, and I think we are witnessing greatness in Luka Doncic. I can put it that way. Um, 20 years old, you're going to get 14, 15 years out of him, maybe. So I'm definitely starting my franchise around Luka Doncic. Do you guys want to debate anything that anyone said?
1: Um, I have no issues with you guys' picks. Lucas Lucas great. Like I said, I I like more athletic type players. And granted he makes up for that with his craftiness. It kind of reminds me of Whenever I watch old highlights of Larry Bird and just watch him do like simple pass fakes, like around Oof. people's head, like that reminds for some reason I just see Luca. I see Luca <laughs> as like Larry Bird two point oh. <laughs> but um, no, nah, I have no issue. Giannis is great. Um, it, it, it's a shot that's a little off for me. I was debating somebody online about Giannis versus AD, and I was telling them like AD. I know that mid range is money. That three pointers is money. Giannis is getting there, but I. I don't know. His
2: release is really slow is the thing. Yeah,
1: it just it's looks weird. Maybe point. I just got to get used to it. <laughs>
2: uh, his shot mechanics are kind of off. If people are actually guarding that three, it's getting blocked every time. Yeah, It takes he, a, probably like a full second and a half to
1: shoot. Yeah, but he dominates, so I, I completely understand why he's on you guys' yeah. list. Devin Booker.
0: I go for the young guys. You've played 2K with me before. We've done the yeah. minors. You know how I roll.
1: Yeah. I roll, like all young guys. I'm not mad at the Devin Booker pick. Um, I've never been a huge fan, but it just always seems like he's in a bad mood when he plays the Lakers. <laughs> he's he be talking cash shit. I'm like, damn, man, we just, we just hit a ball. That's it. Look who he's stuck playing with. Like, <laughs> right. Like, look at his team. You know, just,
0: Aaron Baines is the second star on that team.
1: Hey, Baines been balling.
0: <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, one quick question. Where would you guys have Trey Young on that list?
1: Um... I'm
2: kind of low. Like, not saying he's bad in any way. You just have people just over him that you take? Based on the amount of options that are available to me. Like, Kawhi Leonard is a really, really close four for me.
1: Yeah, I would so, say... Yeah, Kawhi Leonard was just outside for me as well. Top 12. And I'm just guessing, if I had to look at everybody, I would instantly yeah. say I'd Trey Young probably in that 10 through 15 range, maybe. I think I, think I could probably pick 10 guys yeah, I would take over him right now, though. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So let, let me put it this way: Would you take Ben Simmons or Trey Young? Trey Young,
2: because Ben Simmons hasn't. I would Trey Young. Ben Simmons hasn't shown me anything this year. Yeah, I'm gonna but go Trey. That's, like that's like Simmons isn't progressing. Six ten point guard. That's yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But he's he's what? This is his what third year in the league, and he hasn't really.
0: Fourth, it, if we, we want to get politically correct. Oh, yeah.
1: The thing about Ben is his defense though. That defense is up there and he's he's, he's tall. He can defend most. I'ma probably go Ben Simmons. Simmons can't hit free throws that. though. Ah that's key.
0: Simmons is like 50% <laughs> from the free throw line this year. Is he that's still 50%? Brutal. I haven't. It's like just it over in. 50. I think it's like 54.
1: Man, hey, this is totally okay. random, but now that he's not on my team, I don't have to stick up for him anymore, even though I still stick up. Lonzo Ball. But Lonzo Ball, man. <laughs> Get it together. I got to <laughs> see you succeed. You got to be successful somehow, man. But he's just, I don't know what it is. Like, I'll check in, and he'll be doing good one night, and then he'll have a string of, like, eight games where he's be, like, one for eight, and I'm wondering what's happening.
0: Yeah, isn't he not even starting anymore?
1: Lost his starting spot on one of the <laughs> worst teams in the league. Like the starting spot too. It's either either he lost it to Reddick, or yeah, I think he lost it to Reddick. Reddick's okay. in the starting lineup. And then Drew yeah. Holiday or Brandon yeah. Ingram not the ball. Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram, and they start. Uh, they're hurt right now, like Nicola Melli or something like that. I don't know.
0: Is <laughs> is it okay that we can start calling him a bust? Is there is it too early? I need one more year. I need to see one more year Alonzo Ball before I call okay. him a bust. I've been saying it since the draft, but I think his dad talked him up that high. I don't um, think he was yeah, anywhere I, worthy I, of it. I
2: think I think two was really high. So if we're just yeah. considering him at face value as a number two overall <laughs> yeah. above Jason Tatum, um, then I, I think we can call him a bust. But just like in the grand scheme of things, I do also want to wait like Mike, because he's had some injury problems. He's yeah. had some buried on the Lakers problems, so
1: you know what's going to make it worse? If LaMelo comes in the ball and just starts I'm killing kidding. it next year. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's going to yeah, make it I agree. worse. I
0: Question is, though, when LaMelo comes back in, is his dad going to resurface? His dad's gonna kind of gone quiet. LaVar's kind of gone quiet. But when LaMelo comes in, is his dad going to resurface to try to get some clout back, or is he done?
1: Nope. I don't think so.
0: I really Do
1: think he's done? I, yeah. I think he's done. <laughs> I think, I'm with you on that. I think he's learned a lesson. I hope he's learned a lesson.
2: Because he could really like ruin things for for his son for Lamelo, yeah. and I think I, I actually I read uh, Lamelo Ball's like feature story on Bleach Report, and I know this episode's running kind of long now, but he's is <laughs> Le, a good dad. It's just the way he goes about his business is just yeah, it's just
1: over the top.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I really I, I hope that he doesn't do the same thing he did with Lonzo with Lamelo because that like, could really hurt him.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like he want he wants his kids to do so well that he's almost pushing it too far, like too far. Yeah. Like some I mean, of the hot he's takes he dad, said, he's like that dad.
2: Yeah. He's that dad who's sitting in the bleachers and yelling at the coach.
0: Why isn't my phone on the floor? That's <laughs> yeah. better
2: than all those trash players.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. I could definitely see that like growing up playing like pickup or something. He just like shows up out <laughs> of school. He's just like, Put my kid in. There's not even a coach. Um Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Crown Hoops podcast. My name is Jordan Daly. With me, I have Mike White and Ben Okazawa. That is it, and we will see you guys next week.